Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine a world in which, with a few swipes on a smartphone, you could find a better mortgage, compare household bills and track payments across each of your accounts. Hang on, it's not a fantasy. A new wave of apps powered by our very own personal finance data already exists. It's just that only a few people know about them. Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Lucy Warwick-Ching, FT Money's digital editor. And as open banking turns one year old, I've been looking at what apps are available and what consumers really think about it all. First, let's talk about the initiative itself. In January 2018, open banking was launched with the support of government as a way for financial providers to access consumer data securely. Rather than me talking about it, Here's a clip from an online video produced by the Open Banking Entity on what open banking actually is. In 2016, the Competition and Markets Authority published a report about banking. It found that older, established banks didn't have to compete hard enough for customers. Newer, smaller banks were finding it difficult to access the market and to grow, which meant customers weren't given enough choice or control over their money or financial information. So, open banking was born. I'm joined in the studio by Imran Gulam Hussain Wala, trustee of the Open Banking Implementation Entity, who's overseeing the introduction of the new rules. Imran, so you've been involved in open banking right from the start. Why did the government want to introduce the rules? Hi, Lucy. It's great to be here. There are several reasons why the government wanted to introduce the rules, but I think at the highest level, it's because it wanted to rebalance the power between the financial institutions and consumers with regard to their data. So I think one of the big learnings that we've all had over the last maybe 15, even 20 years, in fact, is that data is valuable. Um, some people even refer to it as a new asset class. And there's a fundamental, I think, truism that is recognised not just in the UK, but all over the world, that the data that the financial institution holds on the customer belongs to the customer and not to the financial institution. So open banking is effectively an exercise in giving control of the data back to the customer. I think that's one fundamental reason. So it's a consumer right, if you like. Uh, the second reason really is that there are many elements in the UK's financial services sector that are, well, broken. And open banking, well, it may not fix them all directly, but it should enable a whole bunch of services and propositions that sit on top of open banking that allow some of those elements to be fixed. And the kind of things that I'm talking about really are the, you know, a couple of million or so people that get a bad deal on their overdraft, uh, the two or so million people that forego interest on their high balances. 
the 4 million or so people that can't get access to credit because they got caught poor credit files, maybe as many as 12 million people in this country who are on the wrong financial services product. Um, and open banking really is enabling um, not just incumbent banks, but a whole suite of financial technology providers to, frankly, help customers make better decisions about which financial services they use and frankly to make more make their money go further really and without going into too much technical detail so how does open banking actually work so what's the kind of functionality of it so what open banking is is effectively a secure technology that allows a consumer or a small business uh, we shouldn't forget the importance of small businesses um to safely share their information with authorized third parties it also enables those consumers to instruct third parties to make payments from their accounts um and all this may sound somewhat alien to uh, to many people but in reality anyone that has stepped out of an uber uh, or used amazon one click is using a form of open banking already and what we're doing is building an architecture that is far safer and far more secure than anything that exists already and we think by doing that right um it will no longer be a niche uh, activity but something that will really appeal to the mainstream for the benefit of those consumers and is it working like how many firms have you got signed up yeah um the the initiative is effectively sponsored by the CMA that's the competition markets authority and my mandate is over the nine banks that were caught within their investigation and the APIs that we've created are being implemented those by those banks and cover circa 90% of the UK consumer market and the SME market but that's only one side of the equation the bank side the other side of the equation are the consumers of those APIs and for those typically people think of fintechs many of which you've written about yourself Lucy and i think we have in the region now of 101 as of a couple of days ago participants in the open banking ecosystem the vast majority of which are precisely those fintechs there are still uh, only a small handful of them have actual live products in the market but that's because this is a new technology and many of the fintechs uh, and banks themselves are figuring out how it works and tailoring their propositions uh with more uh, live products to come. And what have been the challenges to the new rules so far? Um the biggest challenge has actually been implementation bank side. Uh this is complicated stuff. It is complicated because we put safety and security right at the very essence of what we're doing is built really into the foundation and the architecture of what we've created and therefore that means we are very prescriptive as to how the banks implement against those standards uh, and it has been a major challenge for them some banks had never ever used an API before actually participating in open banking and for those of your listeners that understand technology even a little bit um they'll recognize APIs as being the trusted safe and secure communication channels that pretty much any internet company or technology company uses it's how google maps works and it's how google maps has worked for the best part of 15 
perhaps even 20 years, but a new technology for the banks. So there's an, there's an awful lot that they've had to um, learn along the journey. There's an awful lot that they've had to build in their middleware uh, to make this all work. And of course, many of the banks themselves have never really dealt with third parties in the kind of partnerships that will exist within open banking. Because open banking is a bit more of an ecosystem rather than traditionally what some people think of when they look at financial services, which is a vertically integrated sector. So it's a big departure for them. Thanks very much there to Imran. You can read more about how open banking works on ft.com forward slash money. Next, I want to talk about how consumers are reacting to the new rules. Despite the hype around the launch, public awareness of the new rules remains low, with just one in four people having heard of open banking. Worse, reports say that only one in five of us who have heard of open banking actually know what it means or what it entails. I'm joined now by Alex Icke, co-founder of Splendid Unlimited, a company that helps banks design and build platforms and who recently carried out a survey into open banking and people's perceptions of it. Alex, tell me more about what you found out. Well, we conducted a survey with, a, with over around 2,000 people, uh, an omnibus survey. And then we did around about 24 interviews, online interviews, personal interviews with people who are using open banking. So it was a big, broad range of interviews with people from different demographic backgrounds. And a lot of people said that uh, they hadn't heard of open banking. So a lot of people were saying, well, it's just online banking, isn't it? Or if it's just bank sharing your data. So there was a lot of kind of uh, negativity around that kind of open banking. What is it? How are people using it? Um, and we found that there was a bit of a strong desire for clarity and simplicity from financial apps. Uh, and that might be just through for you know the way that kind of navigation is kind of put together or the way of the hierarchy information that people are using them. They're not really sure of what that information is giving them or what they're meant to do with them. Uh, and then there was a big disconnect between the control of the personal data and privacy. So what does that mean? So in terms of the privacy, that how banks use your data, or of how that personal information is then displayed to you. So there was a big disconnect between that. And then a large majority of the people that we interviewed were using open banking for the first time were mainly negative around it, which I've just said. And that's demonstrating this lack of kind of, uh, I suppose, the lack of information that is being out there that the banks are giving us and the features were useful to them. And it did help them in their everyday lives, which is very encouraging. And do you think there's a, a disconnect between what people think is the reality of the security and what actually is in fact the reality? Because from my research, I've discovered that actually it seems to be very secure the way that it's being run and you don't have to give your passwords so that other third-party providers get your data. Well, you, well, you are actually right. I mean, the APIs are very secure. And as Imran was saying um, earlier, there's a blueprint basically for the APIs and, and there's a, a whole security layer that stands, stands around that. So there's a standardisation that the banks are and the fintechs are sticking with. Um, and I think, um, you know, if you download an application, you are the one in control. You are the one who opts into that and you don't have to share your data. It's not necessary. So I think as you know, more uh, secure measures come into place, like biometric security, people will feel more secure about kind of uh, allowing the data to be, I guess, kind of passed to other third parties. So if you have your banking app and you have another banking app or you have a startup that may be doing things like e-receipting, you know, there's a trust between that. And I think, you know, you are in control of that and you can opt in or out. And tell us about some of the apps. Um, all the ones I've come across have kind of snappy, clever names, but are they actually useful and are people taking them up? 
Uh, yeah, they are. I mean, a lot of people are taking them up, and you've got some very interesting apps out there at the moment. You have, you know, you've got the uh, Yolts of the world, you've got the Monzos, you've got uh, the Fluxes. I mean, Flux is a very interesting application that's being built where you can kind of gather all your e-receipts into one place and you can collect all of your loyalty cards. And I think that's a very good, interesting offer to the other banks that you know that aren't doing that at the moment and they have a good tie and you can see that's happening with NatWest and so on and so on. And I think Starling are actually the ones that are using them at the moment. But you know there there are some very very interesting businesses starting up and mainly I think uh, it's it's a really good thing that's happening. Thanks very much. That was Alex Ike, co-founder of Splendid Unlimited. You can read more about the best apps on the market in my piece on ft.com forward slash money. Finally, let's talk about how the traditional banks have reacted to the rules. The landscape for retail banking has changed dramatically over the past year, and experts predict that this year we'll see yet more investment from high street banks into open banking products. But what will this look like in reality for consumers? Nicholas McGaw, the FT's retail banking correspondent, joins us now to tell us what he's found out. Nick, what have the banks been doing in this space since the launch of open banking? Well, from the bank's point of view... A lot of their time in the first couple of months especially is taking up making sure they've met all of the regulatory requirements, sort of building all of those APIs for everyone else to access. But they have started with offering some of their own kind of more basic propositions, like especially aggregators that let you see info on all of your different current accounts across other providers. HSBC and Barclays were the first two out of the door with that. Um, I think Lloyd's is being rolled out at the moment and RBS is due to come soon. And what about consumers? Why has the take-up been slower than expected? Well, I think as we talked about before, there's maybe a bit of a trust issue. And you know, people are obviously wary of sharing their personal data, especially after the kind of scandals in the tech sector over the last year or so. But in the long run, I think people will become much more willing to do it when there is something to gain from doing that. So from September, for example, you should be able to, within aggregator apps, see more info on your credit cards or savings accounts, etc., which makes that sort of thing much more useful than just looking at a, two different current accounts. And in the longer term, the sort of bigger changes and take-up will come when there's kind of new types of products that haven't actually been made yet. As I said, the banks were kind of busy in the first couple of months, but they are starting to invest in new things. So maybe that will be something that lets you automatically switch energy provider when it works out that you're spending too much money on that. Or say, give you a cheaper overdraft by analysing how your spending data is going, basically once it actually affects the money in consumers' pockets. So we hope to see lots more change in the coming months. Thanks very much there to Nicholas McGaw of the FT. That's it for the FT Money Show this week. To get in touch with our team of writers or ask one of our experts to look into a financial dilemma, please email us, our address, money at ft.com. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.